0: Dennis Dodd is the CBS Sports College Football Insider, outstanding reporter and writer, CBS Sports HQ analyst, CBS Sports.com writer on Twitter at Dennis Dodd CBS. Why it doesn't say at the Dodd Father, I don't know. It's at Dennis Dodd CBS. Mr. Dodd, good morning, buddy. Good morning, Bill. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, I want to get into some big picture stuff, but if you don't mind, I just talked about Eric Bieniemy and how bizarre the move seems from a, a distance. His move from being, an, he didn't have a job. He lost his job in Washington. He says he wasn't fired, whatever. But he's moving to the college ranks, and he's moving as the offensive coordinator and the associate head coach at UCLA. What do you make of this move, and how should we interpret it if, if, if we're like those who follow Eric Biennemi's career with interest? Yeah, I
1: mean, look, I live in Kansas City, and he's tried multiple times to get a head coaching job, and for whatever reason... It hasn't worked out. Now, he goes from, you know, Patrick Mahomes to the commanders. It doesn't work out. He goes to college. I think he really is a, a talented um, play caller. Uh, but, you know, it, this kind of bucks the trend of of guys. I, I wrote last week the story of coaches getting out of college because it's too complicated for all the reasons that, that you and I have talked about uh, in the current climate. Uh, but this is going the opposite direction. And, look, um, you know, Deshaun Watson, I think, was a fine selection. Um, I have my doubts about a guy maybe who's he's a loyal Bruin, never been a coordinator, um, at least in uh, in college. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. I, I don't think it's necessarily bad for Eric's the enemy. I, I think they've got some good pieces there, but it is kind of strange.
0: Yeah, part of what's interesting about it t- to me, Dennis Dodd, is – Deshaun Foster takes the job because Chip Kelly, who was the head coach, leaves to be not a head coach, but the number two, the, well, the offensive coordinator at, at Ohio State. So let me use this just as an opportunity to talk about the previous domino that fell. What is the read across college football in Kelly taking, at least on paper, what is a step down at a school and now soon to be the same conference as UCLA?
1: Well, there's no question it's a step down. I I wrote about it last week. There are 26 coaches um, who have left um, jobs in college for the NFL or taken a step down like like Chip. Chip's unique because Chip left, by my estimation, at least $8 million on the table. He was going to make six with UCLA this year. He was going to make four in a buyout if they fired him. So that's 10. What's he going to make at, at the Ohio State, two, three? Um, so that's $8 million he left on the table. Chip Kelly just wants to call ball plays. Um, he didn't see a future at UCLA. Uh, and the, it, it's so odd because after a season in which he won eight games, beat the poo out of USC, won the bowl game, and really moved the program forward. But I, I think it, at the end of the day during his time, I think he was like thirty six and thirty five, one game above or one game below, and at least in his mind, saw the handwriting on the wall that that maybe he wasn't going to last too long. But he left after a by all accounts a successful season to be a coordinator at another Big Ten
0: school. Dennis, it's interesting because this is another topic that, that I've talked about on the radio for years, and that is where does Chip Kelly now sit on the list of innovative or, or not, right? Forward thinking, ahead of the cutting edge, or not offensive minds in, in the game. He obviously was there a long time ago. Some people think maybe the game's passed him by. Some think that's ludicrous. You what? If you're an Ohio State fan, how excited or worried should you be that this is the guy who's going to be making the decisions on your offense and the plays that you're calling? Well,
1: I wrote this a lot. Along when he came to UCLA, I think it was the year he came to UCLA that the game didn't pass him by. The game adjusted. He was revolutionary, what he did at Oregon. Um, you know, with, and it wasn't all all a passing game, it was a running quarterback at his heart. He was a running guy. Um, he made Oregon matter to the point where he, he branded that program to what it is today after multiple coaching changes. But look, now everybody runs a spread. Everybody goes five wide. Everybody tweaks things. Um, you know, not only what Chip Kelly, did, what Mike, Mike Leach did. Everybody does some of that uh, except the service academy. So it's pretty – I don't want to say it's easy to defend. There, there's a playbook on how to defend it. Now, look, to the point that Michigan went the exact 180 and won a championship going back to the old uh, bully ball days. So, you know, what's to be said for that? But, no, I I think Chip Kelly's in a great place at Ohio State because he absolutely runs the ball, loves to run the ball. They've got two fantastic running backs there, Quincyon Junkins from from Ole Miss and Travion Henderson, who's been a little bit nicked up during his career. Um, And they're they're going to try to imitate, I would dare say, try to imitate what Michigan has done, Uh, more so than what they've done with C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields. So, I think in that respect, uh, I think Chip's a perfect match right now. The other other part of that is, look, if they don't beat Michigan, I don't have to tell anyone out there listening what the consequences are going to be.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Dennis Dodd here on the show. Dennis, last week when the news came out that as we prepare for an upcoming 12-team college football playoff, there was already possible machinations behind the scenes. To make it in a couple of years a, a 14 or 16 team playoff expansion off of the yet-to-debut expansion news, my reaction, my sort of view of this was this feels and looks to me from a distance, not covering the sport, like Big Ten SEC domination and an attempt to influence and control college football and the money for a long time. Is that an accurate sort of guesstimate and read? Do you have a different view? What, what is the big picture reality, do you think, of the idea and the moves behind the scenes to try to expand expansion? That, that's
1: basically it. Um, the, the TV contract is done in theory, so it's not going to get any bigger uh, if they expand beyond 12. In other words, it's whatever the reported figure is $1.3 billion for the next six years beginning in 26. So ESPN or whoever, whoever they sub-license games to is going to get a bargain. It's going to be free football um, if they, you know, they go to 14 or 16. For, this goes back, Bill, you know, a couple of weeks ago when the, the SEC and Big Ten put out that statement, they're going to form an advisory group. Well, that raised eyebrows all over the, the game, not only the game, but the NCAA, well, what's this about? Well, you know what it's about. They're, they're sick of NCAA leadership. Um they have ideas which will become evident. This was one of them last week. Uh they have the best brand in those thirty four teams, in those two weeks, they have the best brands worth watching, at least the to the networks in college football. How do they start to monetize that? This was the first move by expanding past twelve. To do that you can't add teams to the current. You know, he can't add access to the current twelve to get to fourteen or sixteen, and get guaranteed spots because that's what this is about. What I heard initially was four for each. It looks like it's going to be three for each. You have to have. You have to expand the bracket, if nothing else, to stay away from liability concerns, antitrust. You have to give access to those other schools. But this will be the first time, at least in this game, that I remember. Uh, conferences having dedicated spots in the postseason. The NCAA tournament, you get to play for, you know, your auto bid and your lead. But this would be multiple spots guaranteed to both the SEC and Big Ten um, to the point where a team like, you know, if you want to spread this out, Iowa maybe would have gotten in last year at 10-4. and
0: 4. I don't think anybody wanted to see Iowa in there. I'm from Iowa. I don't. <laughs> I still don't. Fairness. That's the example. We. we it, it's, it's so interesting, too, because uh, Dennis died on the show. Dennis, obviously the Pac-12, which is currently actually just a Pac-2, have a vote and have you know hopes and designs maybe on, on that conference surviving. What are the odds, you think, in two or three or four years there is some version of the Pac-12 that they're able to pull in enough schools that are the right enough schools that it survives – Whatever that means for them going forward.
1: Well, I think there will be. Um, I think that's part of the uncertainty of the playoff going forward in the television contract because they don't know who's going to be playing where. I mean, Florida State now it looks like they can buy its way out of uh, the ACC. There's a story in the Tampa Tribune, oh, about 10 days ago, I think, uh, regarding that. And that's, that, you know, that a great reporter there, Matt Baker, found that language. I think, in the grant of rights. So if they can buy their way out, then that's just a negotiation. The number's the number. Then give the blueprint to schools like uh, Clemson, North Carolina, Miami, uh, the way that they can get out. So what does that look like in the future? But I do think there will be I, – I, I think that Oregon State and Washington State will go the mountain West. What Whether you want to call it – whether they take that brand with them, the Pac-12 brand with them – or whether it's named something else, or whether it's named the Mountain West. That's what most people in the industry think is going to happen. Uh, Kirk Schultz, who is the president of Washington State, w- wanted a promise in exchange for that vote and that unanimous vote last week that they would be granted Power 5 status. That's not going to happen. The, the brands in that league, and we don't have to go over them, just don't measure up to, frankly, you know what's in the SEC, Big Ten, even the even the ACC and the Big 12. So uh, they're, they're going to be fine. I mean, they're going to continue playing football. What they have to do is get ready right now for a significant belt tightening in their athletic budgets. Um, and that's the biggest part for them going forward.
0: Dennis Dodd here on the show. Dennis, I just personally don't mind NIL, and I don't mind in theory the transfer portal, uh, you know, if a, for me, if an adult's going to go into some high school kid's room and talk his parents into committing his future to, a, to an organization, to a program, and that coach can leave, the kid can too. But but these the devil's always in the details. Obviously, the transfer portal is, has just created a scenario where every player in college football is basically a free agent whenever they want to be. Do you think there's a solution or a likely outcome where there is some happy medium between where the transfer portal is now... And where players' ability to go somewhere else was five years ago?
1: Yeah, I think the, I think it'll be declared either declared or someone will move to make them employees, and there'll be a relationship with the university, collective bargaining, whatever you want to call it. They Had that ruling last week in the Tennessee versus NCA case, where a judge issued a preliminary injunction, doing away with the uh, with the. Uh, restrictions on NIL benefits, at least as they relate to collectives. So now it's a wild, wild west. So the only way you rein this in, and you remember, Bill, uh, Kirby Smart's comments after the Florida State game, because they were decimated by, by opt-outs and injuries and everything else. And I wanted to say at the time, Kirby, there's one way to do this, collectively bargain those players playing in those games. And that would be part of it. I think within a year, I, I'm convinced now that within a year, We're going to have some sort of structure where players are either uh, bargaining their rights um, in terms of uh, of, uh, practice time or something like that, or just full-on pay. And I don't think it's a big deal, because I think what we've witnessed the last two and a half years since NIL started is basically that. Uh, We're seeing a form of it. You know what the result has been? Record TV ratings last year. Um, attendance has been up overall. The game has never been better. And as I've told people time and time again, the average fan doesn't care if Shador Sanders is driving a Maybach. He just, they just want to see him at Colorado beat USC or whoever or win the game. They voted with their pocketbooks and their, and their wallets. And their wallets say, we love college football. And, I, it, it, and it
0: really doesn't matter, Bill, on Saturday. I I think it's going to work its way out. I love it. All right, Dennis, last question for you. Uh, Caleb Williams by many is considered a a generational talent. Uh, Not exactly the season he wanted, they wanted at USC. My Chicago Bears have the option of drafting him and moving on from Justin Fields. What is your sense, either your own eye or talking to folks, at how, how we should categorize Caleb Williams in a sport, in a business, where it feels like it's whoever's the likely number one pick is always can't miss until he misses. Is this guy really in the Andrew Luck, whoever else you want, Peyton Manning class of of QBs? Well, I'll, I'll
1: just put it this way. If you've got that pick, you got to take it. I mean, I'm, I'm coming, kind of coming in the back door on that. Um, that's not saying he's worth it, but he's got that look. He's got that Mahomes look where he can create plays. He's a tremendous athlete. And here, here's something unique, I think, about a number one uh, overall draft pick. Usually, you see what happened to Bryce Young. He went from from playing behind the best offensive line to a bad team. And, and look what it's. I'm not saying he can't become a good quarterback, but this is what happens with the number one pick. It's usually a bad team. USC's offensive line is not good. He was running for his life the last two years, much of the time. He's got a chance. You know, if he's be, be taken by the Bears to, to play behind an established NFL offensive line. I'm not saying they're going to dominate people. But in it, in the sense of coming from where he was, I think they're better than USC. Obviously, they're better than USC. They're pros. And you know what I'm talking about, um, relative strength. But I think he's got a chance to take off a little bit. They look like they're committed to to getting receivers for him, too. But I, I think you have, if he's sitting there – You have to take him because he fits in to what wins in the NFL right now.
0: Uh, Dennis Dodd, as always, every time you come on, I sit here listening to you thinking, what a great interview. What great insight. Appreciate you, buddy. We'll be watching you over on CBS Sports HQ, reading you at CBSSports.com. Thank you for your time, and I hope you get to enjoy a little downtime is this it? this is—is is this the downtime season? I hope you get some time off is what I'm oh, saying. Oh,
1: my God. Oh no. Uh, it's, oh, no. It's daily. You Just the stuff we talked about. It changes right. from day to day. Uh, uh, yeah, I wanted some downtime. I may get to the
0: driving range today, but uh, <laughs> no.
1: More and more and more.
0: <laughs> yeah, NBA 2. What is happening in the universe? All right, yeah. pal. Well, enjoy your driving range time for that one hour. All right, man. All right, dude. Thank you.